Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glenon Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, September 11th, 2022. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin, the executive director of Naomi's House. And I'm Kelly Brady, serve senior pastor at Glenon Bible Church. We're missing John Vanderbilt today, uh, but we welcome him back next week. He's struggling with COVID, but he'll be back soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Next Level. morning morning guys hello on a tuesday mixing it up yeah Mm -hmm. we don't have to go into depth on john's health but have you talked to him this morning (laughs) yeah he feels 100 percent. he felt really bad last week yeah and it just kept sliding downhill and he thought any moment i'll turn it around yeah and uh Got a positive COVID test Saturday about noon and thought, well, that that seals it. I guess I can't preach. Yeah. So, um, but the hope is he'll be back. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He's he's he says he's one hundred percent now. So oh, good. Oh, it good. came and went. Like he's feeling okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. I remember. I mean, I didn't. I tested negative, but there's no way it wasn't. Like it was a two week thing for me, and it like I started feeling. I was getting discouraged because it was like, okay, tomorrow for sure I will feel yeah. better, and then mm-hmm. and then it was like tomorrow came. It's like, okay, tomorrow, it, you know, mm-hmm. and it just like it yeah. was more of a mind thing. I hear me. Anthony's got it, no? Yeah, round two, super Gosh. fun. He actually feels great already. He went to bed last night saying he felt. He's like, I think I'm like ninety percent. I feel good, and then this morning he said, I feel even better. I'm like, are you? Like a hundred percent? Are we going to go there? So the thing about COVID, the first time we got it is just when you feel like you're about to turn a corner and feel better, it comes back. So I'm Yuck. a little <laughs> Yuck. And I was yeah. an idiot. And on that day where I kind of started feeling better, I went you outside and it. cleaned our gutters. Yeah, dummy. That wasn't too smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the service on Sunday, though. Sunday service was um, really fun. For we got had a big curveball. You had a big curveball. <laughs> yeah. So I just um, stepped in to preach. Um, yeah. John called me noonish Saturday and. Um, yeah, God's good. It was fun to preach. I love to preach, so it's not a burden. And you know, ministry is a team sport. And yeah, it, honestly, I I thought I thought you did a great job. It was great seeing you just kind of be like, well, I only had a day to prepare less than. So, yeah. God, you're gonna have to show up here. And yeah, you know, yeah, but- sometimes we need those resets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you well, know, I, the average person didn't know that, right? You didn't. You well, didn't mention you, it. No. Yeah. You'd have yeah. to. Yeah. 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 It was good. It was yeah. a good service. Yeah, there were powerful moves of the Spirit. It, it yeah, from sensed. the beginning of the morning, uh, God seemed to be at work in, in really, really good ways. We prayed pre-service for one of the the instrumentalists who yeah. had a physical need and felt God's goodness there. And um, yeah, just singing was so encouraging. I know that you you felt the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we sang a new song that's really lively, yeah. and mm-hmm. the Lord's Prayer. I mean, I think it's a great arrangement yeah. of that song, and it's cool because we already know the words, right? You know, that's you a just, great point to be made. We yeah, just, like no need to learn the the words. No, so. no, don't focus too much on the screen. Just listen and and sing along, and yeah, participate. Again, I feel like I say it often, but singing's so important for. The church. We need to be singing to each other. We need to be reminding each other of the gospel. Sherry reflected late Sunday night um, how encouraging it's been for she and I. Um, she was just saying how encouraging to be weekly in worship. We're always in worship, but just in the season we've been in, um, what a lift it's been to be in worship. And Sunday was 
it just seemed extra special. Our congregation was singing so passionately, and it was really, really fun. Yeah. How'd you feel, Simone? I um, You went to one or two? I went to two, the second, ten, second yeah, yeah. 10.30. I was actually by myself because uh, that's when Anthony found out that morning. And so we tested all our kids. They were all negative, but they all were like, but I don't feel good. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Fine. Going to church by myself actually sounds delightful. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so right. left them all at home. And uh, I don't know. I was really... I it was like a picture of like why you love community. I'm kind of exploring our next staff meeting for Naomi's house is in a couple of weeks, and it's over why community is a value for us. And there's um, there's so I always say there's so much healing that takes place in community. And I just showed up, sat by good friends, and then you know to my left were my good friends, to my right were people. I'm like, oh, I know you. Behind me were a teacher from the school, and I've already I mentioned this morning how much when Jennifer leads, it just is like. It just touches my soul. Oh, I yeah. just appreciate her as a um, an artist, and she's just talented. And then my good <laughs> friend Jenny Brown's on the keys. Like it yeah. just was like everywhere I looked, I just saw people I loved, and um, yeah. <laughs> except for my own family, <laughs> since they weren't there. But aside from missing them, it just, yeah. I, it just this is like this is why we're in corporate worship together. It was it was a picture of community, sharing each other's burdens. Worshiping the Lord together, um, and then even knowing a little of the backstory of John being sick, and mm-hmm. you're jumping in kind of last minute. I know it's a, I know it's not a burden to you to preach, but I also know it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. You know, you probably had to pivot plans on Saturday to, to yeah, prepare. Yeah, I got the, we got the call. I was downstate Illinois oh, at Charleston, word. yeah, uh, for a football game. Uh, Andrew coaches my oldest coaches at Eastern Illinois, so um, I hung out at the Starbucks for a couple mm-hmm. hours. Uh, Just try, Googled try, real quick. Well, trying to get some stuff <laughs> onto paper. And then we went to the game. Got home about 1 a.m. Oh, my word. Back up at 4 a.m. <gasps> to get over here and, and keep working at it. So Yeah, was, yeah that was a sacrifice. Yeah. How was, your, how was your post-service crash? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <Yeah>. I was <laughs> worthless. So this is a thing. This is a real thing. Well, um, if you were trying to nap and watching the Bears game, you were not napping because that was such an exciting game. Yeah, true. Anyway. We had a new guy up a couple weeks ago. It was his first time ever leading worship, ever, you know, and I talked to him a couple days later and he goes, wow, I got home and I just crashed, man. And I was like, oh yeah, we didn't talk about that yet. Yeah, you don't realize how much emotional just output. Yeah, being up front. Yeah, Yeah, how much... You're just mm-hmm. invested you're emotionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't realize it mm-hmm. until you come home and yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, you just dropped like a sack of potatoes, man. Right. Like, anyway. Um, all right. And can I say real yeah. too, that Dan Moss's prayer was also oh, really it was. special. It was oh, yeah. My, it's just, yeah. It just, again, to that community aspect, yeah. like yeah. just to be led. Knowing him, yes. his family. Yes. Um, all of it. The blessing that they are. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's that a was, big deal. Yep. I love that the elders, it's the second Sunday of each month, by and large. We don't always get it, but usually the second Sunday of each You know what I love about it? They take the time to write it down. Yeah. They don't have to, yeah. um, but I often encourage us to write out our prayers, um, and I love that. Yeah, it was very, it was both a blessing to have that prayer kind of prayed over us, but also in step with him. And it was, it was also like a teaching moment where Mm -hmm. he showed us like, here's how you pray scripture. Here's Mm -hmm. how you come before the Lord. 
Uh, I don't know. The whole thing was special. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's get into some questions. First one. Moses says, circumcise your hearts in Deuteronomy 10, 16. What would that have meant? What were they expected to do? Yeah, interesting phraseology. Uh, Moses is simply telling them to change in a way that indicates their true allegiance to God. An internal change is needed. Circumcision was known by all as the sign of the covenant with Israel, but that's an outward mark. And this theme begins to develop, and it's carried throughout the rest of the Old Testament, that the sign is to be more than simply an outward marking. It was to be a symbol of an inward dedication. So there was the covenant sign of the Old Testament was was an outward marking, but it was it was supposed to indicate something transformed or tra- being transformed on the interior. So in Genesis six, early uh, during uh, Noah's period. We hear from God that the human heart's filled with evil. And then we get this this directive from Moses, circumcise your hearts in Deuteronomy 10, 16. Let there be a change on the interior. And that's picked up by Jeremiah. He calls for a circumcision of the heart. Ezekiel says, God's going to one day give you a new heart. And then it's in Romans, Paul picks up, he says, a person is not a Jew who is one only outwardly, nor is circumcision merely an outward and physical sign. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is a circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. So this change is needed on the interior. And of course, when Paul writes it in Romans, he's he's leading into letting us know that that's the work Christ is doing. He's, he's taking as... Ezekiel saying a heart of stone and giving us a soft heart, a heart that loves God. So in short, short, Moses is telling the Israelites an internal change of heart is needed in the good news and the gospel. The New Testament reality is that God gives us that new heart in, in Christ. Not to say that we're perfect, that our hearts are, are perfectly formed, um, but there is an appetite, an internal appetite increasingly so among the people of God. It may be a slow change. If you're a believer and you and you see very little change of heart and interest and appetite, man, I would start by saying, God, give me that change of heart or renew in me my love for, for you and continue, uh, finish what you've started in my life. Do you find there to be any connection from, this is in verse 16, <clears throat> circumcise your heart, and then it goes into the next scripture of like the uh, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. And then the very next section of this passage is talking about his heart for you know marginalized people overall. Oh, I love yeah, it. yeah. Read so, it to us. Sure, he says he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. You are to love those who are foreigners, for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Uh, and then he, he goes on. Um, so, I mean, my observation is that there's that's a pretty strong correlation of... A one-to-one, I would say, correlation. Yeah, yeah. okay, good. Yeah, that, absolutely. I just, for me, it's like a... Um, it cements this idea that if our, so step one is circumcise your heart, right? Recognize that God is God of God and Lord of Lords. 
And then out of that natural overflow of a conformed heart into the more into the image of Christ is seeing other people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Seeing other people as he sees them. Right. Uh, and caring for issues of justice mm-hmm. and oppression. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and acting towards others the way God has acted towards us. My caution is, you know, Moses under the Mosaic Covenant, and we're going to talk more about the covenants here in a minute, but under the Mosaic Covenant, when he gives them the charge to circumcise their heart, it's a charge to them to change themselves. Mm. And we quickly learn through the Old Testament narrative that they can't bring that change. They can't. And and they didn't have a heart for the marginalized and the oppressed. And they they abuse justice and they get kicked out of their land because they're they don't represent the cause of, of God. So today, fast forward to the New Testament setting, post-Jesus, his resurrection, when, when we realize that we don't have a heart for the marginalized and oppressed, then we have little assurance. I'm not saying you're not saved. Yeah. I'm saying you have little assurance to feel as though or to believe you're saved. And our cry is, God, do a work in my heart. John 15, apart from him, we can do nothing. So he's got to be at work in us. And so when my heart is hard and I see in my life an appetite for sin instead of godliness, I don't try to change myself. I am um, I cry out to God, mm. give, give me the change that only you can bring. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It's good. Yeah. I just I just took it as... Um, there is an abundance that kind of, like a, a part of our abundant life is inclusive of having a heart that is outward thinking based on the formation of what's happening internally. And, and instead of thinking that serving people or maybe financially donating to organizations that you're passionate about or um, reading a book from time to like, instead of having it a box to be checked, mm-hmm. like, oh yes, I'm involved in a ministry of some sort that helps marginalized people. To me, the correlation and the connection of the heart of God from this passage, I mean, literally it hit me on Sunday mm-hmm. for the first time, is more than a box to be checked, but it is an overflow of of your circumcised mm-hmm. heart. And mm-hmm. to me, that elevates you know, our, our own calling as Christians to care for marginalized people. And the, that reality is all over the New Testament. All over, l- yeah. L- I'm sorry, is all over both Old and New Testament, all over Scripture. So later in, in Isaiah, they're fasting, and it's performative. They're doing what the law requires. And he says, it's not going without food that I want for you. I forget the chapter. I think it's Isaiah 56. I don't know. Yeah. Isaiah 58. So... He says, it's not going out with food. I want, it's not simply going without food. I actually want your heart to change. I want you to care on the inside for the things I care about. And then he lists them. And it's justice issues. It's oppression issues. So it's all over scripture Mm -hmm. that those who are being saved, and that's, that's an important way to say it. It's not simply that we are saved. There is a reality in which there's a moment in which we're born again, but then that's worked out. We are people who are being saved by the Spirit of God. So as we're being saved, we're more keenly formed into the image of Christ. We'll have more interest in justice issues. Mm, Absolutely. All right, let's go. uh, Excuse me. Let's go to the next one. Hi. Thank you for the excellent message today. 
it was such a helpful overview of all the covenants and how Jesus fulfills them. Amen. Could you please explain how Genesis 15 fits into the Abrahamic covenant? In this passage, it seems God is fulfilling it himself while Abraham slept. And it also says God counted Abraham's faith as righteousness, so not based on circumcision or works, but faith. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is a great question. This was submitted to the to the text line, which is awesome. I also had somebody come up after first service and ask something similar. Like uh, the person said, wasn't the election of Moses, that is his being drawn out of Ur, apart from anything he did, unconditional? And then the blessings of the covenant were conditioned. And I, I think that's an appropriate dichotomy to make. So uh, this is a great question. I'm glad it was asked. I should have done a better job drawing a distinction between God's covenant with Abraham the man, which is made in Genesis 15. I didn't touch on it at all. It, it is unconditional. And then the sign of God's covenant with Abraham and his descendants, which was required is Genesis 17. I camped on that issue and it was the sign of circumcision and it was given as a condition for his descendants. So, so let me just see if I can, as best I can set the record straight. The beauty of the covenant with Abraham, and I touched on this some, is that number one, God found Abraham. Abraham didn't find God. Uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ came to earth. And so God found this pagan idolater in Ur, um, which is modern day Iraq, and he calls him to himself. His name is Abram at the time, not Abraham. He promises to make him a great nation. Those promises are first revealed in Genesis 12, first three verses, uh, give you descendants, give you a land, bless you, are all the promises. This is unilateral. Uh, and then in Genesis 15, what happens is there's a covenant made, and it's very mysterious. Abram actually is put to sleep by God. There's this uh, cutting of the covenant, which is a, a, an animal is cut in two, and, and the Spirit of God walks among the cut halves. Um, it's a, an ancient Near Eastern ritual of covenant making. It's unilateral. God's doing it. Abraham is asleep. It is a, a demonstration of God's grace and favor, and Abraham is undeserving in this. He believes that God will do all that he's promised. That's credit to him as righteousness. Then all those who have faith in the promises of God given to Abraham are now are children of God. I'm sorry. All, all those who have faith in the promises of God in Jesus are called children of Abraham. It's Galatians 3, 7. So, the faith that Abraham had, the faith that we have in Christ, these are similar faiths. We're trusting in the promises of God. Abraham trusted in the promises of God, Genesis 12. Uh, we trust in the promises of God uh, fulfilled in Jesus as an outworking of God, God's promises to Abraham. All right, so however... There is a there is a there's a stipulation later God gives circumcision just two chapters later Genesis 17 to Abraham and his descendants as a sign of their faithfulness in the promises of God that are given to Abraham and any who didn't take that were going to be cut off from the promises so there's this covenant stipulation in fact there's a dramatic example of the conditionality of the covenant in in Moses's life, it's Exodus chapter four, Moses is headed to Egypt to do what God has called him to do. 
and and God threatens Moses' life because his son hasn't been circumcised. It's Genesis 4. You can look it up. Um, it appears in the passage that Moses is sickly and about to die, and the, inf- the inference you're led to believe is that God's going to take his life because his boy hadn't been circumcised. Zipporah, his wife, circumcises their son on the way to Egypt, touches Moses' feet, and God relents. Moses lives. Conditionality. There's a conditionality to it. Uh, Moses hadn't kept that part of the covenant. In fact, it's noteworthy that all of Israel stops just inside the promised land, it's Joshua chapter 5, and everybody gets circumcised again. And when I say again, I don't mean for a second time. What I mean is the nation. Those that were in the wilderness, the generation that had come out uh, of Egypt um, died off, but there's a second generation that hadn't been circumcised yet. They all get circumcised as they enter the promised land to keep this, this covenant. So here's what I would say in an effort to provide some clarity. God's covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15 was certainly unconditional, but Abraham's descendants participated in that covenant in a conditioned manner. There was conditionality, and I should have done a better job distinguishing those realities. I actually didn't even touch on Genesis 15 Sunday morning. What's most important is to see that Jesus, the Jewish man, kept all the requirements of the law and is actually the outworking of God's promises made to Abraham. Yeah, it's a good reminder. Uh, I remember this from seminary, how much time we spent on Old Testament covenant and which ones were conditional and which ones weren't, which parts of them were and weren't. And it is kind of confusing. It's cumbersome. Yeah, and and it's not something for me that I just read once and go, okay, I got that. Like You kind of have to revisit it. Well, in Genesis 12 and 15, God calling this pagan idolater and then committing to him, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's what he's done for all of us in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do remember some details from that. Um, like why the why the animals split in half. Yeah. And yeah. Apparently it it's was to say like uh if if I should break this this contract, this covenant, may my body be like this animal. Be treated like this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Split in half and the <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the the richness of all the symbolism mm-hmm. in the old testament and then how it's fulfilled and mentioned and played out in the New Testament. I mean, it's pretty, mm-hmm. like you said, it's a, there's a lot. To, if only you would have spent more time preparing, Kelly. Yeah, you know? doggone it. <laughs> well, you know what? The sad thing is I could spend every hour of every week preparing, and I still will yeah. not represent the Word of God perfectly. Yeah, I would do a better job, and I want to be ju- diligent, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially really with something like this that's so nuanced and yeah. right. so many It details. is cumbersome. Yeah. I'm uh, impressed someone... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm encouraged cool. someone <laughs> yeah. brought it up. Yeah. Uh, two people brought it up, and and it's very, if you're a New Testament person, very Berean. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're, we're to be asking, and yeah. there is no perfect preacher, so we need to be pressing each other and, mm-hmm. and learning and growing that way. All right. Well, here's the next one, and this one's, uh, this a, one's a little a more fun, one. right? <laughs> Why is circumcision still practiced today? Is there any biblical reason to do so? Uh, My best guess, and we talked a little bit about this before the podcast, so y'all jump in. I'm just going to say it's it's a Western cultural custom. Yeah, it's cosmetic. That's that's literally what my doctor told me, or my pediatrician when I had two sons. But did you guys, um, growing up, I was always under the assumption that it was a health issue, that it was a... 
you know, it's easier to keep that body part clean. We're told, right? But I don't think that's true. No, no. Well, I mean, (laughs) that's how I grew up thinking. But then, you know, we we have three boys, so it obviously came up ten years ago. I hate to say it. I think there is a cultural yes overhang that to be uncircumcised is to be unclean. Uh, Well, that's directly from the Bible. Correct, but (laughs) that uncleanliness. We in our yeah. modern years here like antibacterial. Yeah. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. But that's not what uncleanliness is right. primarily in right. the yeah. Old Testament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so thus the kind of the cultural rumor that, well, to be circumcised yeah. is cleaner. Yeah, no. my, I mean my jaw was on the floor when our doctor was like, There is no health benefit. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I was like, it. what? Oh, Here's gosh. a bonus. Here's <laughs> Here a go. bonus for the <laughs> podcast listeners. <laughs> there is some research, and it would be hard to prove, but that sexual Intimacy is more pleasurable for the uncircumcised because okay. the the circumcision hood protects the head of the penis. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> so there is actually potentially some benefit to not being circumcised mm-hmm. as far as sexual pleasure. Well, it was wow, interesting. John Vanderbilt's missing out. JV, <laughs> help! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, when we took our birthing class, they showed a, a video of circumcision and was like, look, if you're going to do it, you need to see it. This is what it is. And yeah. I was like, yeah, no, we're good. <laughs> like, nope. Good. No health benefit. And I'm watching the video and we're good. All right. Uh, next question. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> we could go into so many crazy next, Old yes. Testament. Next well, question. Could, could you go so into more jokes? Yeah. So little time. <laughs> Next question. Could you go into more detail on the last question? No. Okay. Next question. If the covenant with those trusting in Jesus is unconditional, why bother trying? In other words, if I have faith in Jesus and in being saved, regardless of my behavior, then what is my motivation to behave? I love this question. It It's a question that I feel like everyone has and that we, we must, we must wrestle with this. And we must um, put it to rest. So I love this question because I, for me, it gets at, it's the, it's like this first inkling of, is the good news really that good? Is he saving me? As Ephesians 2 says, apart from anything I do, anything I do, really, is it that good? And I would say, yeah, if, if you're asking the question, why bother trying, if it, if it's apart from anything I do, then you're getting then the grace of God's beginning to wash over it, and you're hearing the the gravity of God's goodness towards us. So I would say, if you're asking that question, then then press on because you're 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 still questioning whether sin brings death. Mm-hmm. So anytime I've wrestled with. Um, with whether or not um, I should care if I'm being I should care about my personal behavior if I'm being saved apart from my behavior, then I'm what I'm really wrestling with is whether sin brings death and whether righteousness is the the wisest way to live. That is, so. Asking the question reveals some degree of being unconvinced that sin brings death. And I mean death in, 
you know, bad consequences in this life and in loss, read um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, there's actually loss as where Christians are judged uh, in in the life to come. Like we're going to miss out on rewards. We're going to miss out on blessing in the life to come if we if we participate to the extent we participate in sin in this in this life, so the reason we would try um, live morally, honor God with our lives, as Simone was saying, live lives of justice and care about the oppressed and live generous lives, like Psalm one twelve, which I loved yeah. uh, you opening with that, but is because righteousness, following Jesus, is really the most life-giving, joy-filled way to live. Romans 2.4 says that it's the love of God that brings us to repentance. He actually makes us aware of our sin so that we can no longer participate. He does that out of love. So, You, you talked about what blessing means. Just, it was just like a quick Happiness, comment. right. Can you tell our listeners, what is to be blessed by God, what would that mean? Yeah, there's actually kind of a... Uh, so. Uh, he opened services first and second with Roman uh, Psalm 112, and it says, blessed is the righteous. Mm-hmm. Well, blessed in, in both Old and New Testament settings is this whole life reality where the, the person emotionally and mentally and physically is enjoying the, the purposes and the blessings of God, it, and it has within it this notion of happiness. Yeah. So where I'm going with that is for my my answer, my reason to that my response to that question is do you want to be blessed by God? We all want to, but don't you? But we have kind of a narrow cultural view of it. It's no, you God, you give me all the goodies and I'll live like hell. Right. Now right. we don't ever say that. Like I'll do whatever the, the heck I want. Yeah. But we don't say it, but blessing culturally today doesn't have this full-throated yeah. I'm gonna have I'm gonna live with freedom and joy and my marriage and family's well, gonna and be rich. All over the scriptures, if you want to be blessed by God, obey his word. Yeah. His Meditate commands. on his word, his command. So if that for me, that's for me, that's the most compelling reason to like I, you know, to follow his to do you know, even though I'm saved and that's no, nothing is gonna thwart that, like, well then you could just do whatever you want. It's like, no, 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 I don't I don't wanna do whatever I want. I want to do whatever God wants because I want to be blessed because I know that that's what's best for me and he knows that's what's best for me. And that's where I can have the most joy, the most fulfillment, the most... The first verse in Psalm 112, blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Yes, right. I think what we're touching on is maybe this person is pointing out, it almost feels counterintuitive to want to submit to the commands or the law mm-hmm. of God that you think are actually going to keep you from freedom and yes. life. and But they ironically bring life. Exactly. Yes. The, and that's yes. A, it, it, not only does it take faith, but it also takes discipline to, to see that and to make the choices to... Essentially, you're dying to yourself yeah. and living for the commands of God. Yeah, you're living in a completely otherworldly manner. And let's give some examples if we can think of them. So when you begin to really share your wealth, Mm -hmm. that is, steward it in a way that honors God, and you start giving it to fight oppression and bring justice and care for the lost, when you start doing that, um, then you you start to experience freedom from... um, the possessiveness and the greed that it easily takes over the suburban life yeah. where I want my money to be mine 
and I want to pad my life and my soul and my body in a way by buying things that make me comfortable and make my life convenient. There is a whole other worldly richness to, to mobilizing my wealth to do kingdom things. Yeah. That's one example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would even say it's beyond just a suburban life. I mean, I have a five-year-old that if you give her a quarter right now, she hoards it. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> sweet little girl. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. like a, I yeah. think that's just kind of our nature yeah. is to, like I said, it it's counterintuitive it, to. It is part of our yeah. sin nature yeah. to, to make the, the world about me. Yes. Yeah. But yes. man, rules are good. There are so many parallels between God's, you know, his word for us. And that we should obey it, and that that, mm-hmm. that helps us thrive, and 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 life mm-hmm. with rules. And mm-hmm. you could talk about childbearing, uh, child rearing. Yeah. You could talk about. Um, I mean, gosh, just yesterday I got mm-hmm. a call from a coach in one of my one of my flag coaches in our flag league, and um, just for, because the rule was. Those, hang on, those that oh. don't know, uh, Matt serves as the commissioner. Yes, Rams of flag Park football yes. district. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are in the presence and, of. <laughs> Right. There is conflict every week, and between some of it, adults, between talk- adults, <laughs> some of it is uh, child. Talk about living the suburban dream, commissioner of the Park <laughs> District yes. Football. Yes, and our boys are on the same team. Yeah, so they, are. they are. All right, I interrupted um, you. Go ahead. No, so just but the, it just made me think of this example from yesterday. I got a call from a coach. He was pretty upset, but but the the, the crux of it is is the rule wasn't. Crystal clear, mm. and so one coach felt like the other coach was bending it or breaking it, and the this other is coach awesome. was like, "Dude, that's what the rule says." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm reading it, but let's talk about the spirit of it." You know, that's like, good. and it just it, it's the same kind of concept. It's like, man, if if these rules were more for these guys were more crystal clear, and they both understood it, and they both followed it, their experience yesterday or two days ago, three days ago would have been a lot better, yeah, <laughs> more enjoyable, yeah. Right. Anyway. Adults. Okay, uh, <laughs> final question. I heard that at the end of first service that you prayed through Psalm 112. Looks like the second service was posted online. Can you explain a little bit about how you pray through Scripture? Yeah, I was so marked. It is a part, my sense was it was the Spirit of God at work in the service. You opened with Psalm 112, and it just, as you were reading it, I I thought it really spoke potentially spoke to the conditionality, unconditionality of who we are in Christ. That is the conditionality of the Old Testament covenant, the Mosaic covenant in particular, which would have been the context of the writing of Psalm 112. Uh, be righteous so that you can be blessed, kind of a charge to circumcise your own hearts. And then we learn they, they didn't have, actually have the power to keep the commands of the Lord. Uh, the law was given as a tutor, Paul writes later in the New Testament, to lead us to our need for Christ. So I just, I got up front and I, and I, I shared a little bit about, so how do we read this, Psalm 112? That was at the beginning of first and second service. But at the end of first service, I prayed through Psalm 112 as best I could publicly for the closing of the service as someone trusting in Jesus. Thank you that I'm righteous in Christ and that I'm keenly aware of my wickedness is kind of how I prayed. Work in me your goodness and your care, you know, and bless me, Lord, and so, so the, the video on YouTube is of the second service, um, and I just used the scripture to prompt my, my prayers there. And um, so when it talks about their children will be mighty in the land, verse 2, my heart is, you know, my kids aren't perfect, so I, I pray, Lord, mm-hmm. work in my children 
the blessings you talk about here for the righteous. Yeah. And and I'm not righteous because of my behavior. I'm righteous because of who Christ is, and I'm trusting in Christ's righteousness. So Lord, be good to my children. So that's just I um and when it talks about wealth and riches are in their house, I prayed in first service, Lord, I have bills to pay. Mm-hmm. And you meet my needs, and I'm depending on you. And then it talks uh, several junctures in Psalm 12 about how their righteousness endures. Lord, finish the work you started. Let your your good work in me be um, be growing. Help me to persevere. So how do you guys... I know you both probably pray the scripture, and I know you've shared that before. Yeah. And, I enjoy praying the Psalms. I find it easy to pray the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just, and it has um, definitely enriched my prayer life. Um, yeah, I pray I, the Scripture because the Scripture is is a reflection of God's heart. Mm-hmm. So I know when I'm reading the Scripture that this is what matters to God. Simone, back to your oppression, justice issues, uh, and so I. It's easy to just say, yeah, that's the that's the person I want to become. Mm-hmm. It just gives me a place to take my mind off myself. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I think I've shared this before, but I have a scripture journal that I use. I try, you know, as many mornings as I can. I wouldn't say every morning, but I try really hard to be in the Word every morning. It's called Write the Word, if anyone's looking for. Mm. it's They're unfortunately expensive, <laughs> but I guess it's a ministry, so I look at supporting a ministry. But they're like $25 a piece, these nice leather journals with different topics. So right now I'm through I'm going through one that's called renewal. And every scripture there's probably between 30 and 40 pages of a different passage and it's right now all around this theme of renewal and I write out the scripture that you know is written here it gives you the reference. I write it out so I can see it and I've learned to practice reading that same passage over and over a couple different times looking for different things and new things that jump out to me every time. And then I write a prayer from that. It's all there on the same page. Like it just kind of gives you, and what it does is it teaches me how to pray. Mm -hmm. And um, I like how the question asks, can you explain a little bit how you pray through scripture? Well, there's only one way to pray through scripture. (laughs) You have to read it Mm -hmm. and sit with it. Mm -hmm. And there's more, you can mull through it multiple times. You can read it out loud. You can have it read to you through an app on your phone. There's a lot of different ways you can do it. But the hope is that it starts to take root in your heart and mind. Mm -hmm. And so you're not just reading through it and praying through it as an exercise that bears no fruit. You're just, I mean, that's my prayer as I end every day is like, help me remember, Lord, what I read today. Because you start to, as I write Mm -hmm. in response to the scripture, things that I wasn't thinking about start to come to mind. And you Mm -hmm. just only hope that that's the spirit leading you, praying Mm -hmm. for different things, praying for whatever that passage is really um, kind of highlighting for me in the morning. So that's how I do it. It's not brain science, rocket science. Sherry has... A, uh, a set of books. There's probably two or three of them. Praying the Scripture for Your Children. Mm. Uh, I think they're by last name Omartian. Praying the Scripture for Your Children. Anyway, um, and she just works her way through those and has done so for decades. That's good. Um, and so they give prompts yeah. and help you mm-hmm. to pray the Scripture. Mm-hmm. And she just plugs our kids' names into these these prayers that are written out. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, you have a prayer cool. book that you, the Valley of the Vision. Yeah, or... I love the Valley of the Vision. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's rich. It just it um, helps. I think one of the most beneficial things it does. It's a Puritan prayer book, but it's greatly poetic. Either they were all artists and poets, or that's just how they talked in those days. <laughs> it was a di- different time period. It right? was a different time period. Yes, but they just uh, just the way they talk about it. It just has a very poetic, very, very psalm like way of c- communicating with God and pouring their heart out, and it helps me to try to get to that place uh when i'm when i'm praying with god you know so that it's not just a back and forth and i want this and do this and make me more this and prayer so quickly can devolve into a a list Mm -hmm. right of needs and we do have needs so it should include that um but it's the scripture praying the scripture lifts it out of that and makes it so much more right you know praying with god can be like a document but it could also be like a painting you know, like good job. It's and I, by like a that. true artist. <laughs> there you go. That's that's my no. That the, the, the part of Psalm one twelve that was sticking out to me yesterday and, and for the last week really is has is verse seven. Like I mean probably because I've spent a majority of my life living in my head mm. and I'm just constantly battling, you know, the voice in my head that's saying things that aren't true or whatever. And so the idea of like the righteous will have no fear of bad news. Like what would that look like to really, to really live life where it's like, yeah, of course you don't want to get bad news, but like if you got it, it doesn't just shatter you. Right. And we don't have to fear that phone call. Right. My kids, one lives in LA, one lives downstate and they're doing their own thing. They're adults. And you you can live with the fear that phone call is going to come when they're in a dire situation. Yeah, but I, imagine the freedom of yeah. a wow. faith in Christ so full that you don't fear. Right. And that doesn't mean that you don't weep or that you don't yeah. grieve, or, but, right. but it doesn't just completely shatter you, right? Yeah. So if someone's just starting out in prayer, um, would you? they want to pray the scripture, any, any thoughts? I was going to... Y'all think about that. I was going to encourage them, just open to Psalm 1. Mm-hmm. And when you reach a, if you reach something that resonates, I like the way you said it, verse 7 of Psalm 112 resonated with you because it's pertinent to what you've struggled with. When you're reading the Psalms and you reach something that resonates with you, camp there, as you said, Simone, yeah. meditate on it, let it work its way into your soul, and talk to God about it. Ultimately, praying scripture is just talking to God about what he has said. So I'm reading through Joshua right now, and I have been talking to God about, and when I say talk to God, I, I've been saying, God, it seems that land is really important to you. Why is land, and I'll talk to you, I'll say, why is land so important to you, Father? And then I feel like he begins to talk back to me. He'll say, well, the earth is mine. I created it. Physicality was my idea. Bodies were my idea. And I think, oh my gosh, all this matters to the Lord. The new Jerusalem will be a physical reality. Heaven will be. And so there's this dialogue that's prompted by Scripture for me. And and so that would be my coaching yeah. like to someone that. just starting out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. There's, I, I was looking at my phone really quickly. There's several apps that also do this. So if you want to kind of explore how somebody else does it and listen to, like they're like 10 minutes or less, um, contemplative apps, uh, you know, that go through scripture and mm. pray through scripture. Do you so, have any off the top? Of well, your head? the my I told you I was having phone issues with the new update. Okay, contemplative at home is the one I remember um, that a professor from my course in at Wheaton recommended. So contemplate. I mean, you have to like 
they talk very slowly, and, you know, like there's like water running in the background, you know, so there's, <laughs> they tell you to breathe. So there's, you know, there's pieces to it that you have to get used to, but, um, that feels kind of cheesy to are, me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, we're, you know, different strokes. Different I know strokes. I'm being goofy. Yep. Yep. Are we you good? know, I did. Yeah. We've done, but I got to share this last. Quick okay. Thing. So like, I, I thought like if you ever preached a sermon on on this part especially the no fear of bad news you could totally start it with a movie clip um <laughs> did you ever see robin hood the mel brooks one men in tights no so do you remember the comedian richard lewis oh, uh, yeah. richard lewis he had from the 80s he had the kind of long hair and he was the king and uh and so the sheriff of nottingham who was called the sheriff of rottingham he uh, he runs into Robin Hood and gets beat up and all, and so he comes back to the king to report and he's like, uh, you know, King, I, I have bad news and and he goes, what bad news? No, no I can't handle bad news. Maybe if you told it to me in a good way, it wouldn't seem so bad. And, and the, the sheriff is like, uh, okay, all right, all right, bad news in a good way. Okay, he's like, ha ha ha. Guess what just happened? I just ran under Robin of Locksley and he beat the crap out of me. And he said he's coming for you and your men. And the king is like, that's terrible news. <laughs> anyway, it's total Mel Brooks, but it'd be a funny, like, you know, start no, off. No, not bad Noted. news. And, uh, anyway, all right, all right, all right. Uh, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text Next Level Podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answer listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for our getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to The Next Level. Boom! Prophecy.